Hey, how's it going? Happy Father's Day. Um, dads, we're super uh, thankful for you. Um, I know we got a lot of dads in this room, and that uh, means we've got a lot of kids, uh, maybe spread out outside of this room. But um, you're an important part of our church, and we're thankful for you and how you lead your families and lead your kids. So thanks for being here. Um, so a few things. Hey, coming up uh, in the next few weeks, I want to give you an update on where we're going, what's happening next. Um, it's summer, kind of a crazy uh, time for all of us. Uh, next week is our last week in the book of Philippians on Sundays. Um, and then, like Michaela talked about, we're going to start um, some book clubs kind of uh, in replacement of kind of the regular get-togethers with our DNA uh, groups. So check those out. We want you guys, everyone who can, to be a part of them. You can invite friends who aren't a part of Salt and Light. It's a great opportunity to invite people in. Um, and then uh, the Sunday after this next one is 4th of July, and we're not going to meet uh, on Sundays that week. So enjoy time with family, friends, cookout, barbecue, whatever. Um, have a good time. And then the week after that, July 11th, we are starting a new series. You excited for it, Kate? <clears throat> we are starting a new series uh, on the story of God. I don't know if you guys have ever uh, gone through this before. It's really cool, but uh, I'm excited for us to go through it together. What we're doing is we're going to zoom out. We're going to take a look at the entirety of God's story across all of Scripture uh, because the Bible is a big book, right, Kate? Big book. Sometimes easy to get lost in the weeds, uh, miss the point of kind of the whole story, or sometimes we, we can read the book and sometimes we miss the fact that there's a hero in that story, and we want to make sure that we, um, we can all understand that and know that. And so that's what we're starting in a couple weeks, Story of God. Get excited about it. It's going to be awesome. Uh, I know we are all traveling because it's the summertime. Uh, lots of people gone today. Uh, we're going to be gone here in a few weeks. But that being said, uh, if you're in town, we just encourage you, come on Sundays. Uh, uh, it matters that you're here. We want you here. Uh, as you can imagine, the story of God, like most stories, builds on itself week, uh, uh, like chapter after chapter. And so the more that you can be a part of that with us, I think the, the, the more helpful it will be for you to get the broader narrative of what's going on there. Um, let's see here. Uh, also, uh, you can invite friends. Uh, this is a gr another great opportunity. The story of God is like a great uh, just intro to like this, this story of scripture. So if you've got friends who are not yet believers in Jesus, uh, this is a great opportunity for them to be introduced to Jesus, to the gospel, to what's going on in this book that we study every week called the Bible that we believe is God's word. Um, let's see here. Last week, um, we were out of town. Uh, I was on a beach mourning the loss of my 30s uh, last week, um, <clears throat> but I listened to the recording, um, and as I understand it, Ben took us on, if you were here, he took us on a short survey of the Oceans 11 through 13 film series, uh, and then he also uh, walked us through the first half of the uh, chapter three of the book of Philippians, so we're going to pick up kind of where he left off, where we all left off last week. Last week, we talked about identities how as humans, each and every one of us, we find our identity in something. And Paul used his own life as an example to talk about identities. So he walked through this, his long pedigree and resume of all these accomplishments that he had uh, accomplished over the course of his life. Um, and he showed the Philippians and everyone else in the room that according to worldly standards, that he had bragging rights on pretty much everybody. Uh, nobody really had uh, more bragging rights than he did. But he said, that he once thought that these things were so valuable 
that they were the source of his identity, but now he considered them worthless because of what Christ had done, uh, what Christ has done and had done in his life. Um, because in Christ, we are given a new identity and any other identity or accomplishment that we have pales in comparison to this true identity in Jesus. <clears throat> so we're going to pick up there uh, in uh, Philippians chapter 3 uh, today. But before we jump in and talk about our passage of Scripture today, I wanted to start off with a short story. So does anyone know, especially kids, kids get the leading advantage here, what yesterday was? It was a holiday. Bell. Oprah, close, very close. Opal, what's the holiday? Juneteenth. We talked about it a little bit. We didn't talk about it much. <clears throat> so, summer. That's right, summer. Living it up. Uh, yesterday was Juneteenth. I didn't know anything about Juneteenth before I moved to Texas. Like, wasn't it wasn't as big. At least I didn't hear about it in Arkansas, Oregon, other places that I've been. Uh, but Juneteenth, uh, June 19th, is a holiday that marks the end of slavery, like the complete end of slavery in the U.S. So Abraham Lincoln, he signed, do you guys know what Abraham Lincoln signed when he was president? Kids again? Yes, Canaan? Emancipation Proclamation. Impressive. Well done. Go homeschool. It's awesome. It's great. <laughs> um, but then, this is, this is something interesting about that. That, that uh, document... Uh, freed slaves in our country, but there were still slaves that didn't know this. It actually took two and a half years for the word that, the, that slaves were free to get all the way down to Galveston, Texas. Who in here has been to Galveston? Any kids been to Galveston? Lots of people have been to Galveston. Not yet. I have to get down there. It's, it's okay. It's pretty good. Um, but anyway, so they took word, took two and a half years for the word that slaves were freed to get down to Galveston. It happened on June 19th. I don't remember the exact day, but that's why June uh, Juneteenth is a celebration. Um, and so uh, it actually became a national holiday this week. Um, and the big reason why is this woman who lives here in Fort Worth, her name is not Oprah, her name is Opal Lee. So close, yeah. Um, Opal, yeah. And she's a 94-year-old African-American lady. And uh, she brought awareness to this holiday because it meant so much to her. And so she started walking these two-and-a-half-mile segments um, because that's how long, many years it took for the slaves in Galveston to find out that they were free, for all the slaves in America to know that they had been declared free. And so she brought awareness to it that way. And then she's 94 years old. Uh, five years ago, when she was uh, the young age of 89, she uh, organized a walk from Fort Worth to uh, D.C. in two-and-a-half-mile increments. I learned that she didn't quite walk the entire way. It was in, like, different legs, but still many, many hundreds of miles that she walked with these other people to bring awareness to this. And then this week, uh, it became a national holiday. So it was kind of like, you know, her lifelong kind of pursuit and journey, you know, kind of reached a culmination in this last week. So she's, like, kind of this, like, national celebrity right now here in Fort Worth. Um, Anyway, so I didn't know this uh, until recently, but I was, I was reading up on it as I was preparing for this teaching today, and I learned that there was more to Opal's story, that actually when she was 12, um, she moved into this neighborhood that we're in, the historic Southside, 
um, her family bought a house that is two blocks that way, north. Um, I think it's called Annie, Annie Street. It's just two blocks up here. And her family bought a house there. They, at the time, this was an all-white neighborhood, and they were an African-American family. And the, uh, the people in the neighborhood did not want them here. And so when she was 12, um, a group of 500, uh, a mob of, of 500 white people surrounded her house. They forced them out, and they burned their house to the ground um, because they didn't want them here in the neighborhood. Just really sad and awful and it would have been really easy, I think, for her to have had a life that was marked by resentment and hate um, because of what had been done to her. Um, but she did. In fact, she doesn't even like to talk about this story because she says she didn't want to be a didn't want to be a victim. But she did want to bring awareness and attention to this holiday that she thought was so important for us to remember how far we've come. Um, that slaves had been made free in this country, and to celebrate that Independence Day uh, for them. And so um, I just thought that was a really cool story. I thought there was something, I don't know, there was something about us being in this neighborhood that I felt like it was important for us to kind of know that. I mean, uh, here in a couple weeks, we're going to have um, Stacy, who's the, uh, the director of uh, Fortress. She's going to come. She's going to talk to us about this really cool nonprofit that serves this neighborhood and community. And we want to learn more about this neighborhood. We want to be able to love and bless and care for this community. We don't just want this to be a, a building that we use in a neighborhood. So I thought it was important for us um, to kind of know a bit about that history and that story. But also, there was a little bit about Opal's story that kind of made me, as I was working uh, on this, this passage and, and wrestling with it and meditating on it this week, that made me think a little bit about her story uh, uh, and what ta- Paul is teaching us here in Philippians. Um, and really, uh, kind of what it comes down to is it makes me wonder, is there anything that you give your entire life to pursue? Your entire life, you know? Hopefully you're here for many years. But to give your life to something, year in and year out, every day, um, and make that kind of your purpose. I think that anything that would give us, you know, uh, that much drive would have to be something that would be very important and very valuable to us. And so that's what we're talking about today, uh, that thing of value and what we're pursuing Uh, So let me pray for us, and we'll jump into Philippians chapter 3. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you, uh, God, thank you that it's Father's Day, and thank you for the dads in this room, the dads who uh, have blessed uh, us as as children, God. Uh, We thank you that you are a good father, uh, the best father, God, that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus into this world to pursue us, to redeem us, to reconcile us to yourself, God. And so uh, we just thank you uh, for this time, God. We pray your blessing over it and that your spirit would uh, speak uh, through your word, uh, through me, God, that you would uh, point us in the direction of uh, your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Okay, great. So uh, if you have a Bible app, uh, open it up to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be starting in verse 12. Great job, James. You're nailing it on the slides today. Good job. Um, So at the beginning of this passage that we're going to pick up on and read today, Paul, uh, we pick up on him kind of mid-thought, which happens a lot with, uh, uh, in Philippians uh, with Paul, where he has kind of like a long stream of thought. And so we're just studying these little segments. And so it's important, I think, that we kind of understand what these pronouns are that he's talking about here because it's super important. In verse 12, it says, he says, not that I have already obtained this, but I press on to make it my own. So before we can kind of unpack that, we got to know what the it and then this are. And so backing up just to last week, I know it was a long time ago, in verse 10 and 11, we find out what Paul's talking about here. Um, 
This is what uh, it says. He says there. He says that I may be, that I may know Him, and that's Jesus, and the power of His resurrection, and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So the this and the it that Paul hasn't obtained yet uh, is the prize of a holy resurrected life. Paul wants to know Christ, and he wants to experience resurrection, just like Jesus has. And this is what he believes it means to, to truly be human. So with that context, let's jump in uh, to verses 12 through 14 uh, with our passage today. I'm going to read this. should be up on the screen. Paul says, Not that I have already obtained this, the resurrection life, or am already perfect, But I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So I think uh, in this passage here, Paul is doing something that's really important for us to grasp. Um, I think he's acknowledging this tension that we all experience as believers in Jesus, that even though we're saved, even though we're Christians, we still haven't um, arrived yet, for lack of a better word. We're still in the midst of being transformed. And I think that Paul, you know, is acknowledging this. I think he's saying, um, I'm a Christian, and, um, you know, I'm not perfect yet. Uh, I'm not yet in my final resurrected state, and I have a long way to go, but I'm committed to following Jesus and pursuing holiness in this life because I believe that the prize is worthwhile. And um, I think Paul's setting this up in this, this section, and we'll unpack it in the next section, but it's this idea that we as humans, every single one of us is on this journey in this life, like life kind of like is a journey. And all of us are headed toward something with the direction that we're walking in life. Every human starts that journey. Like as a child being brought into this world, each of us is born pointed towards self and destruction. That's kind of like our natural state when we're born um, because we're born in sin and there's some brokenness there, obviously. But the good news is that Jesus invites us on a different path. And he invites us to follow him, actually. And he invites us to pursue holiness. And he promises us that there's eternal life on the other side of death. And the way that we can walk that way, the way that we can follow him, is because he's made a way for us through his life, his death, and his resurrection. So what Jesus has has really shown us is what it truly means to be human. Like, he is the true humanity, like the original intent to be created in the image of God and designed to co-rule creation with God and bring about his good rule and reign here on earth. So Jesus has started this renewal movement for humanity and for all of creation through his life, death, and resurrection. Is there anything else about this first little section of scripture that sticks out to you, stands out to you as you're reading it? Verses 12 through 14. Okay, if not. Jumping into 
right? Yeah. Yeah, I take a lot. I took a lot of comfort in that. I think that's a really good point. Paul's not perfect, not yet. So neither are we. So we don't have to pretend, you know. Anything else in that section? Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. <clears throat> Anything else? I love what Paul talks about. Like, I've driven everything in. I yeah. I yeah. every effort, all I need to do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a perfection game, but it's a I'm all in. Yeah. He's not doing it halfway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good. Uh, role model, you know. So, um, what I do, what I want to talk about, as it relates to um, this, what we're invited to, like with this journey, you know, straining ahead, you know, uh, forgetting what's what's behind us, the prize that lies ahead. I think um, I just talked about kind of like what you know Jesus has done and what he's taught us in being truly human. But what Jesus doesn't invite us to do is just you know, pray a sinner's prayer and then to go about our business, you know, of our own life, living the way that, you know, going about our normal life the way that we would have otherwise. Um, Just with like a hope that we prayed that prayer one day, you know, so we can go to heaven when we die. Uh, But there's nothing there, you know, that changes our identity, that, you know, transforms us. And I think, you know, from last week, um, Paul teaches that Jesus invites us to a new identity in him, that there's actually something like really important and foundational and that he replaces that old identity with a new identity that is in him, gives us a new purpose and a new meaning and a new calling and a new path that we're on. That means we're called to pursue holiness and the, the way we live because that's the way of heaven because that's the way that the path that Jesus uh, uh, led us in. So as kingdom people, we should have a desire to bring heaven to earth. I think that's a little bit of what, what Paul is talking about with us here. <clears throat> and Paul does this interesting thing. One of the things that I, um, I didn't pick up on this, but as I was studying, this was brought to the surface for me. In verse 12, he says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me, own, made me his own. And what he's doing here is he's actually using a little play on words. Um, So another way of saying it is that he wants to take hold of this prize, this resurrection life, because Jesus has taken hold of him. And he actually uses the same word for take hold in kind of both those situations, him taking hold and Jesus taking hold of him. And I think that's the point, because Paul's pursuit of Jesus and a holy life is not something that earns his salvation or even earns him, like, favor with King Jesus, but rather it's this response to the saving touch of Jesus. So it's not an accident that Paul is following Jesus because he was pursued and he was completely redirected. Um, It's all in the context of God's grace. And Paul knows that and wants to remind the Philippians the same thing. And I think, you know, as it comes to like conversion stories, like Paul has this like obviously 
super dramatic like conversion story. I don't have that conversion story. I'm sure that many of you don't have quite that conversion story. Many of you might have something that's very um, significant in the way that you were converted out of darkness and into light, but many of us don't have that. Um, but I think it's important just to remember that if you find yourself on this journey, like if you're here today and you're like trying to pursue Jesus because there's a, a drawing and a pulling and, and something better and more meaningful in this life and a purpose in following Jesus, that the only reason that you're on this path and that your eyes have been open to that is because of Jesus first taking hold of you, because of him putting his hand on you and redirecting you. And I think there's a lot of really good news in that for a lot of reasons. But the thing that struck me was just that I'm someone who was pursued, like Paul was pursued. Each one of you is pursued and that the hand of God has turned you away. And it's the hand of God that has taken hold of you that has course corrected you. And so that's good news. It's not an accident that you're here. It's not based on your effort or you being really smart or really good that you're here. It's based on Jesus. And so he set you on this path. And then in verse uh, 13, Paul tells us that he has one aim in life, to forget what lies behind and to strain forward to see what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul wants us to forget what's behind. Um, I think that probably the question is, is like, what is he saying? Like, I'm forgetting of what's, what's behind me. And uh, I think that what he's forgetting is that he's forgetting his life as a Pharisee. He's forgetting that really long, you know, resume that he just walked us through that was where he found his identity before because those things were like his old identity. But I don't think that he's forgetting, you know, planning the church at Philippi or planning other churches along the way. I don't think he's forgetting like his missionary work and things like that necessarily because th that's kingdom work, you know? It's simply what Jesus called him to do as he was on this journey, you know? <clears throat> So this upward call of God in Christ Jesus, um, another thing is I think that we hear that and we think, well, it's just, you know, this call to abandon earth and kind of to, to just set our mind on leaving earth and going to heaven. But instead, I think that this, what's, what's being communicated here is that this call from above is to live the life of heaven, communicated as, as above, um, God's space, God's kingdom. Uh, to live that way and to desire those things here and now on earth in anticipation of future resurrection. <clears throat> so Carol mentioned this. Uh, I picked up on this a little bit as well. Like in order to uh, pursue like this single-minded focus of God's kingdom, we've got to let go of things. So for us, uh, it could be things like letting go of old identity, uh, you know, where we found our value and our worth before. But I think on the flip side of that, there could also be uh, things like, uh, Carol, I think what maybe you were kind of pointing to is just, I don't know, guilt or shame or things like that that are in our past that we hang on to, that those things uh, have the potential of slowing us down in our, in our pursuit of God's kingdom and following Jesus. And the good news is that um, Jesus has already paid for those things on the cross, that guilt, that shame, our sin. All those things are things that can be laid down, not future. Those things can be laid down now because the work of Jesus on the cross uh, is something that's already been applied to us. And so I don't know what it is that you need to lay down or that you need to let down as you're on this journey towards Jesus, but maybe give that some thought because I think that there's lots of things that we can try and put in our pockets, you know, to try and take along with us. Some of those things we may think are really good, <laughs> identity-based things, 
Um, some of them are probably guilt and shame and things that we hold on to from our past. You guys heard that, resur- or that uh, saying that says, there are no pockets in resurrection clothes. Um, I don't know where I heard that. I don't know who said it, so I don't know who to cite, but I really like that picture, you know, and obviously it's like we can't, you know, take what we've earned in this life <laughs> to the next because uh, there's no pockets in resurrection clothes. But I also think, you know, the flip side of that is like you, you can't bring shame and guilt, you know, and so you're invited, I think, to, to lay that down because of the work of Jesus, and it's good news to me. It's good for my soul to hear that, so I hope it is for yours as well. <clears throat> So let's pick up in verse 15. <clears throat> you flip to the next one, James. So it says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So I think when I uh, read this, I imagine uh, Paul with like a little smirk on his face when he is saying this. Uh, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if, if anything, if you think otherwise, well... God will reveal it to you also. And I think what, um, what Paul is talking about here is that a mark of maturity is actually knowing that you haven't arrived yet. Um, just like Paul knows that he hasn't arrived yet, that he's not perfect, um, mature Christians will admit the same. And I think that's a, that's a mark of maturity. Uh, mature Christians know they aren't perfect, um, but it's God's grace that allows us to acknowledge the areas where we need to grow in holiness, where we need that work of the Spirit in our lives. But even though we have a distance to go, Paul says, let's not take steps backward toward our old lives and our old identities. And I think that's important for us to remember as well. Okay, um, second half of the passage, uh, picking up in verse 17 of chapter 3. Um, this is, in many ways, this passage is, is kind of the climax of the letter of Philippians. It picks up on a lot of themes that we've talked about, obviously, in previous weeks. Let's read it together. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. So Paul, um, Paul really loves the Philippians, and you can really kind of see it in the way that he wraps up uh, this passage in uh, chapter 4, verse 1. He says, whom, uh, the Philippians whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, my beloved. So he has this deep affection uh, for these people, and his desire is for them to stand firm in the Lord. So, um, so it's important for Paul that his beloved Philippians are heading in the right direction, and the right direction is toward Jesus. So again, I think Paul's picking up this metaphor of like a journey or a race um, and his heart is broken, uh, that there are people who are not on that journey, who are actually enemies of the cross, who instead of taking up their cross to follow Jesus, their purpose and prize in life is just to fill their bellies and their mind with whatever satisfies them, with like immediate uh, comforts. <clears throat> and I think that Paul knows that we all follow others and model our lives after others, and so he's telling them, 
hey, pay attention. Um, don't be misled. Uh, don't follow uh, people like this. Um, and our context is a little bit different in 21st century uh, Fort Worth in America as opposed to, you know, first century uh, Philippi. It may be attractive when you see people living their best life now, uh, but it's still a march toward death. And I was thinking about what this looks like for us, and I was thinking about how we live in this strange new age of, like, online influencers, you know, where, you know, people actually make a living, like, cultivating and constructing, carefully constructing this image and this lifestyle of themselves that they put on in, like, little snippets, you know, online. Um, But even with that, like, it's still the same. It's like all of us, like, pick and choose. We look to people and we say, like, that's the life that I want. That's the type of life that I want, and so I want to be like that person. And so we start to, whether we know it or not, you start to take steps to become like that person because they're your role model. But I think Paul gives us uh, a helpful tip here on how we, who we choose to, to uh, imitate and to uh, uh, follow as role models. And he encourages the Philippians to choose their role models based on uh, where those people find their hope. And so I think that's important for us to think about. The people that we surround ourselves, who we want to be, uh, who we view as Christ-like, we should be able to identify them based on their hope being not on the immediate, but on God's kingdom and having a uh, uh, future-looking perspective and goal in life. And Paul invites uh, the Philippians to imitate him. And I'm sure he was thinking of others like Timothy and Epaphroditus, who he'd mentioned earlier in the letter as well, as good examples and role models um, because their citizenship is in heaven. Um, and so as I think about this for us, um, I think, you know, we shouldn't, we, we shouldn't separate ourselves from the world, right? You know, that's, that's not what we're called to. We're not called to completely avoid the world, to kind of cloister ourselves off and only spend time with with Christians. We're supposed to be out in the world. But I I do think it's super important for each of us as believers to have strong, committed relationships with other Christ-like people in our lives. Um, We can't just like do church online, you know, separate from a community where we're walking through life with people. so it's one of the reasons why, you know, at Salt and Light, like, it's super important for us, for folks to be in DNA groups and community, to be known, to be surrounded by other believers. We think it's really important for us to uh, gather on Sundays to, to hear from God's word and to do this together, um, to, 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 to surround ourselves with people who are Christ-like, who we can imitate. And if I can just thank God for his goodness uh, for a moment, like, we are a really small, little, tiny, brand new baby church plant. But God has put so many godly, Christ-like, kingdom-minded people within this community that I'm just so blown away and encouraged by his goodness in that. There are a lot of people who are really pursuing God's kingdom. And so there are a lot of people in this community who are living lives, not perfect lives for sure, none of us are, but are worthy of imitation. And so do life with other godly people, you know? Um, Look at their lives and look for ways to imitate them as they imitate Christ, you know, just as Paul is inviting the Philippians to do here. Okay, we're getting close. Um, I want to talk about this uh, concept of citizenship in heaven, though. Um, 
So we, we talked about it a few weeks ago. I think it's a really important part of this letter and kind of a climax here of what Paul's trying uh, to teach us. Paul's writing to Christians in Philippi, which is this proud Roman colony. And so he's contrasting citizenship in the Roman Empire where Caesar was Lord with the kingdom of God and the way of Jesus. <clears throat> and when you were a citizen in Rome, um, it granted you a lot of rights and opportunities and advantages that non-citizens did not have. Um, but no Roman citizen in Philippi would have viewed Rome as their future home. Um, they wouldn't have thought, like, yeah, I'm a Roman citizen. I'm going to go live in Rome one day. They'd be like, no, my home is Philippi, you know? That was really important to them and their identity. <clears throat> and I think that sometimes uh, we miss out on a little bit of, of that with this picture of citizenship. And I think oftentimes we think about citizenship more as a passport, um, where you get a passport um, to go visit someplace, like we're just temporarily visiting Earth, but my eternal home is often in heaven. Um, and I want to talk about that a little bit, um, because I think it's not, it's not quite right. And honestly, I think that this incorrect view has led many of us in church um, to not long for the prize that Paul is talking about here. And I know this is um, true of like my story, kind of growing up, and my theology and kind of wrestling with this, um, having a view <clears throat> that we pray a prayer for Jesus to save us from our sins so that we can go to heaven when we die and then live in heaven uh, forever as disembodied spirits in the cloud somewhere forever. And um, there's some truth in that, but it's, it's, it's not completely true. And so what I found is like when I've had conversations with people about like the future, about heaven, about God's kingdom. What I've experienced as a pastor is a lot of people who are just not excited about God's kingdom because of the view that they have of what we have to look forward to as believers, towards our hope. Um, in fact, I've talked to a lot of people who have just found it really depressing to think about like eternity. And the more that I've kind of talked to people and kind of unpack it. Like, tell me more about what, what do you believe about, like, what the Bible promises us about what's to come, our prize. I found just kind of, just not a correct, a correct understanding of kind of what the Bible teaches about here. And I think this is a really good passage just to, to talk about it a bit more. Um, when a Christian dies, uh, uh, this is important too, before Jesus returns, um, if we believe in Jesus, uh, the Bible does say that we go to be with Jesus. And Paul says earlier in Philippians that it would be better for me to die uh, and to go to be with Jesus. Um, and we know that where we go after we die, that it's a good place because Jesus told the thief on the cross next to him that um, today you will be with me in paradise. And so that's, that's good news that like as Christians, we believe in Jesus. If our sins have been paid for, like when we die, we go to be with Jesus. But that's all temporary uh, it's a temporary resting place, and that the story of the Bible really takes us to a different vision of our eternal reward. Um, and I think if we don't get this right, then we don't view that as a prize that we long for. Um, so why live our lives in anticipation of what we dread, if it's something that we don't really look forward to? And even more so, like, why should, why should we share this good news with our neighbors if we don't really view it as good, good news ourselves? You know what I mean? So I think it's super important that we get, like, what's the prize, and why is this good news that Paul's telling us about this, and why should we look forward to? <clears throat> Paul is communicating that there is something broken with the earth, 
uh, because earthly desires aren't what, what we're to pursue. He says that here in this passage. Um, but the story of salvation in the Bible isn't about us getting to escape earth and our physical existence in order to relocate to a new spiritual home in heaven. It's the story of Jesus entering into a world that is broken by sin, where he conquered sin and death by laying down his life, and then God raised him up from the dead. <clears throat> and Paul says elsewhere that Jesus is the firstborn of new creation or of, of new humanity. And so Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. And after his resurrection, he has this glorious body, but it's his physical body. So when Jesus appears to his disciples after he raises from the dead, Bell and Kate, do you guys remember what happens when he goes and he meets with his, his disciples in a room? He eats. Yeah. He sits down and he says, I'm hungry. Do you have any fish for me to eat? And so he eats food with them in a physical space, just like we're gathering in here right now. I think that's important to remember uh, with Jesus, with his body. So it was better and it was certainly different than ours, but he had a body. And so God's plan from the beginning was to create a physical space for God, for him to dwell with man, with us. So in Jesus, heaven and earth overlap. And one day, all of heaven and all of earth will overlap fully. And that's what we see um, in the book of Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible. In chapter 21, we see heaven and earth uh, merging together. God's space and man's space overlapping in perfect unity. So check this out. Uh, let's, let's read this. Can you clip, uh, click ahead, James? Because uh, this is in Revelation chapter 21. <clears throat> this is what it says. This is talking about that future state, uh, the prize. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. So this picture that we see in Revelation 21 and what God has in store for his people is, is really, really good news. And it's a prize worth giving our entire lives to. Um, better than anything else, any temporary thing that this world has to offer. And the more time that I have spent kind of thinking about this view of what the Bible teaches us with the new heavens and the new earth of God making his dwelling place on a recreated earth and us having recreated bodies and getting to enjoy and experience that with him, the more excited I get about that. And the more I want to like invite other people into that and tell them good news, because to me that is good news now. And it's a prize worth giving my life to. So back to Philippians, uh, what does Paul intend when he says, our citizenship in, is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. 
as a citizen of heaven, um, I don't think it's like us getting a passport, you know, so we can leave the country. Um, we're given a promise in this that we're awaiting our king to return and actually make things on this earth as they should be. Because um, I think that all of us can look around and see the earth and be like, yeah, it's broken, but I really love this place. Like, I would love to see it made new and made right. <clears throat> and one of the first orders of business is for God to resurrect our bodies and transform our lowly bodies into glorious eternal ones like his. <clears throat> so as citizens in heaven, with our hope in heaven, here and now, there's still a present reality for us here, salt and light. What are we to do until then? How would Jesus want us to spend our years here that we have? And I think it looks like, um, I think it looks like this journey metaphor where we pursue Jesus here together. We pursue his kingdom and we pursue bringing and cultivating a heavenly culture here in Fort Worth or wherever we're sent. Miranda's about to move, pursuing heavenly culture, you know, wherever you go, seeking God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> because as the church, we're, we're an outpost for the kingdom. We're ambassadors for the kingdom of God. We're supposed to tell other people that it's coming, that there's good news coming, but to invite them into that. And I'm sure if you're like me, uh, this feels kind of overwhelming uh, because you know that you're not perfect. Uh, you know that you're not uh, able to do this perfectly, but that's good news. And Paul just talked to us about that a bit earlier because Paul acknowledged that he's not perfect, that he hasn't arrived yet. None of us have arrived yet in this journey. That's a sign of maturity in us that we're not there yet, that we need God's spirit uh, to indwell us, uh, to empower us for the mission that God calls us to here. We need one another to encourage each other to imitate uh, uh, Christ-like and godly people in our community. Um, so I'm excited for that, for us, and that's what I, what I long for for us. So may, we, uh, may God use us to bring that heavenly culture here in Fort Worth, wherever he takes us. So let's take communion together and wrap up. So grab your uh, juice. Um, and as we take this juice, uh, as we take this, we'll take the... Uh, the bread first. As we take the bread, um, this represents Jesus' body, which is broken for us. So let's remember that through Jesus' death that we are invited into a new resurrected life, that we're promised resurrected bodies like Jesus, and that our king has said that he will make his home with us forever in a new heavens and new earth. So let's eat this small morsel in anticipation of that feast in heaven. And now, let's take this juice. This juice represents uh, Jesus' blood, which was shed for us to cover our sins. Uh, let's remember that Jesus made a covenant with us through his blood, and it's that covenant that makes us citizens of heaven. It's through his blood that Jesus purchased your citizenship. So let's drink this together. Let's remember our king. Awesome. Guys, thanks. I know that was long, that there was a lot that we covered in there. I packed, a, there was a lot of uh, dense theology in there, but um, as we wrap up this book, I just felt like it was important to hit on a few of those things. So um, I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to wrap up. Uh, thanks for being here tonight. Love you guys. Thankful to be a, a part of this journey with you guys. Um, it's just been an encouragement being a part of this community with you guys this year, so I'm thankful for you. Uh, let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus into this world. Uh, 
God, we are sinners separated from you, God, but you sent Jesus into this world uh, to live perfectly, uh, to uh, take on our sin and our shame so that those things could be laid down, God. But I thank you that Jesus is not dead in a tomb somewhere in Israel, but that he was resurrected, that he was given a new body, that he was raised up uh, to rule and reign. God, I thank you that we have that future hope as well, um, that we have the hope that you have promised us that at the end of this life, for those who follow you, that there is the promise of new life, of a kingdom uh, that you will bring here on earth that is good, that is eternal, um, that you'll give us resurrected physical bodies um, like yours, Jesus. This is such good news. Um, help us to be messengers of that good news. Help salt and light. Uh, help the people uh, in this room, God, uh, in our church, to be an outpost of your kingdom um, here on earth, God. Use us for your kingdom and glory, God. Uh, bring more people into your kingdom um, through us, God. It's for your glory and for your name that we ask these things. Amen.